0: Hello everybody, in this week's episode of Dudes of Kung Fu we had the honor of having on Jim Rosalando on. Uh, Jim is an amazing Wing Chun historian who uh, spoke about the history of Wing Chun in general and also gave us a, uh, a really in-depth insight into Dr. Leung Zhen's uh, Pinsen Wing Chun and the history of that lineage. Um, Jim was incredibly knowledgeable and, of course, I felt like the dumbest guy on the podcast again. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I'm sure you guys learned a lot. And, of course, Alex and I make fun of each other a lot. So, well, a really, we enjoyed this episode a lot, and we, we uh, hope you guys also. Dudes of Kung Fu. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of... Dudes of Kung Fu. Yes, welcome back, man. We are back in better than ever. I hope you're doing well, Alex. How you been, brother? Pretty good. Busy as always, you know, doing the Kung Fu Hustle. By the way, I have a new hashtag
1: for you guys. If you want to follow anything that I do, it's hashtag Kung
0: Fu Genius. Kung Fu Genius.
1: Yes, okay, because, uh, well, I'll have a chance to talk about this maybe on another podcast or another episode, but let's just say one of my former teachers claimed that I only learned for him from him for one week so um i'm not going to refute that claim i mean even though i learned from him for over nine years i'll let it stick if i learn from him for one from from him for one week then that means i'm a kung fu genius so everything is now going to be hashtag kung fu genius all right so any that's pretty incredible I online, yes kung fu genius yes 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 so um get
0: used to that that hashtag is going to be everywhere that's nice that's nice man so, uh, who's, so that, um, who's that good looking guy sitting next to you? Oh, well, you mean the poster
1: of Bruce Lee behind me? That's, uh, that's uh, actually not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, well, we have, uh, we have a special guest today. We have Sifu Jim Rosalondo of uh, Pin Sun Wing Chun from
2: Boston. So, Jim, why don't you say hi? How you doing, guys? Nice to be here. Welcome to the podcast, so, Jim. Yeah, thanks. It's a, it's an honor to be here. Uh, don't, so, be,
0: um, don't be too honored, I, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: not that great. <laughs> so many of our many of our listeners probably know uh, Jim from uh, his various uh, articles in Wing Chun Illustrated and contributed a lot of stuff online. And if you're interested at all in the history of Wing Chun, especially the stuff that predates uh, Yip Man or Ip Man, uh, this is the guy to talk to. Uh, and he has got a lot of stuff there online and and of course, for all of our listeners, because all of our listeners have my book, The Little Idea, you will, of course, know that uh, in the very back of the book, um, Jim wrote a contribution where he actually talks about the history of the uh, Siu-Lind form, which is an older forerunner of the Sioux lind form that we do, and uh, it was a beautiful, awesome contribution, kind of gave it a little bit of a depth in terms of the history that you normally don't see in the uh, in the Yitman books, so, yeah.
0: That's really cool. I, You know, the my, one of my biggest weaknesses, other than being a fat bastard, is that I, uh, I know almost like no history when it comes to the art, you know? And it's, it's, people ask me questions, and I just usually say, read Alex's book.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and the only good history in my book is the stuff that Jim wrote anyway. So. <laughs> well, most, of the, most of the history that I know is from kind of the 50s and beyond, but you know, from the older stuff, I'm, I'm kind of brutally out of date. Um, yeah, and for, for those who don't know, so the specific style of Wing Chun that Jim practices is is from Leung Chan. And Leung Chan was the Si Gong or Kung Fu grandfather of, of Yip Man. So we're basically talking about Kung Fu that is, or Wing Chun that's about two generations older than the Yip Man style. Wow. So what's also interesting about it is that it doesn't use the Sunum Tao Chung Kiu Buji structure uh, that we're used to, but you actually see almost all of the, the main techniques in there. So um, Jim, why don't you just kind of take a moment to maybe explain um, we'll get into the history maybe in a little bit, but just maybe explain the structure of Pinsan Wing Chun and, and how it, it might differ from the more commonly
2: known Yip Man. Yeah, sure. The you know Pinsan Wing Chun is uh, Dr. Long Jan's final synthesis. So somewhere in the 1890s, of this uh, system for his sister's son. And the sister's son was Wang Lasam Wa Sam, and he lived next door to Long Jan in Gulo Village. So what he did was, being a little bit older, he decides to... Create like a refined synthesis of his life's knowledge, so the tao chung q and Buji, what do we'd call the important parts of it he passed those down to his sister' son, and that's done through twelve handsets, so they're twelve little small handsets, and uh, they comprise of the essence of the the three fist sets
0: well I, I, you know I've never seen that in- That's pretty damn interesting. uh... It's
1: it's really cool. When Jim
0: got here uh, about an hour and a half ago,
1: he gave a little demonstration to some of my instructors on the wooden dummy. And and so basically, when he means handsets, he means, like, kind of very short combinations and single techniques. So we're not talking about 12 forms like the length of Sunum Tower or or Chumky or whatever. They're, like, kind of 12 short sets, and you essentially, at least as far as I understood— you do, do things solo, you do them with a partner, and chi sao on a wooden dummy. Is that, is that kind of an accurate representation?
2: Yeah, each, each of the handsets are just simple motions. And so, for example, the first two of the 12 are single hand actions. They each only do about three moves, one hand, three actions, or three movements. So the first two are actually movements from Lung jan Sulem Tao set. The second, uh, number three and four, are punching basics. And then it actually goes into combinations that come from the Chum Q and the Buji. So movements number five through nine are actually out of the Chum Q, and uh, number number 11, and twelve are movements from the ji All these actions have been like maybe slightly tweaked a little bit by Dr. Lung Jan, but they still, if you saw them, you'd know, you know, their movements from Chum Q and Bu and the core of all Wing Chun and uh, you practice them solo. You practice them with a partner. You have chi that goes along with it, and then you have can apply them on the dummy as well. So, it's a uh, it's a little bit uh, simpler, I guess, way of training. You don't have to kind of learn longer forms. I guess it's if you were going to compare it to uh, like you're a Jeet Kune Do practitioner, so you know you it would be I guess a little bit more conceptually on the idea of a refined system, but it's it's just straight-up Wing Chun, and uh, it's a really nice art. I like that. That sounds nice. It sounds like you have a passion for it. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I'm at this now for over 25 years, and wow. uh, I still, uh, every time I do this practice the art, I love it as much today, if not more, than I did 25 years ago. That's like Alex with a mirror. Every time Alex... <laughs> Every time Alex looks
0: in a mirror, it's just like, it's like he just loves it more than the day before. It's amazing. It's, you um... wow. can, can can you blame me, man?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Jim, before,
1: before you did Pinsan Wing Chun, you actually have a background in kind of more conventional Yip Man Wing Chun. Is that correct?
2: yeah, so you know, I, I started around nineteen eighty nine and actually it was uh, there was a local school, a Moyat had a student named Li Shan sure. and up in Boston, he had a student named David Robinson. So for just for a short period, I was at that club, and then uh, it wasn't as open too often, so I ended up going down the street to a s- school that my my current teacher, he had some former students were running it. And I spent about a year there. They called it turning style, but it was, a, you know, a little bit, a little bit, it was similar to what my teacher did, just a little bit different, you know, not much. And uh, after that, I kind of did bounce around the Yip Man style again for about 12, 10 years. And then uh, I used to drive to New York for about two and a half years every other weekend to train the Budahan Wing Chun, the Futsal. And uh, yeah, I ended up kind of lucky. I've uh, bounced around a little bit.
0: Who did you train Budahan with, if you don't mind me oh. asking
2: Yes, Santo Barbales. He was. Uh, he started with Henry Leung around 1974 through 1976. Then he took a break, and he trained with Henry Leung from 1980 to 92. And so he's. Uh, he was one of his. Uh, I consider him to be like one of his gatekeepers. If you went into his house above the sofa, you'd see Henry Leung's staff and all sorts of stuff. And, right, right, uh, right. He's a he's a real kung fu junkie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, I knew um,
0: not that I was friends with him, or really a student. Uh, James Kama, I don't know, he, he did Buddha Han Wing Chun for a while in Brooklyn. Again, I don't yep. know, you know, I don't know about his lineage or anything to that effect. But when you said Buddha Han Wing Chun, that was the only uh, connection that I knew to it. Is the guy in Brooklyn named James Kama?
1: I think the first time I heard of Buddha Han Wing Chun, it was like a 1989 Inside Kung Fu magazine article with James Kama. I remember he was doing, like, some hook punch or whatever, and it was like, the Yip Man style is not the only style of Wing Chun or something like that. And he was, like, punching, like, three dudes in the face or something. I remember specifically James Kama uh, was kind of the first time I had ever heard of non-Yip Man Wing Chun. That's cool. Yeah, which I guess, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't really know. And now, even when it comes to Yip Man Wing Chun, a lot of people think Yip Man is Donnie Yen anyway. So, even even Yip Man Wing Chun is is, is, is quite quite obscure these days as well.
0: This is really true. This is so true. Uh, so, um,
1: how would you compare the uh, Buddha Han Wing Chun to the Pinsan Wing Chun from, let's say? Uh, historical background. So, where where would they have a com- common ancestor? Where where would they have come together?
2: Uh, it's a bit of a controversial subject, you know. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of never agreed with uh, Santo, and I never really agreed on the origins and things like that, but. Uh, you know my my personal feeling may be different than what the uh what's promoted uh, so uh the for me it's uh you know it's henry leung was a brilliant guy and i actually that's where i met Santo was at henry leung's uh herbal clinic on elizabeth street and uh or mott street in chinatown back then and wow. uh, but it's the the story is a little bit different. It's, uh, for me, it's just uh, Henry Lung was a brilliant guy, and I think uh, Fatsao maybe uh, represents his, uh, his own kung fu. That's a nice way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> so so
1: I, I, have, I have a question because this has been kind of a bit of a... So now that we've decided to go into controversial topics anyway. Um, uh Basically, there's a... Well, I, I don't consider any of this stuff controversial, but, but people, people like to get butthurt about all sorts of weird stuff. Um, so basically, the story is that when it comes to um, <laughs> Chi Sao and the Yip Man Wing Chun style... Uh, <laughs> We, we have, we have as everyone knows, in the Yip Man Wing, Wing Chun style, we have Pun Sao, sometimes called lock Sao, the, the basic rotating rotating mm-hmm. hands exercise, which is like the iconic exercise. Now, um, from what I understand, Leung chan didn't have Pun Sao kind of necessarily in the same way Yip Man did it, and certainly not in the Pin Sao style. And then there's even some... I guess conjecture or whatever, that Chan son, Sun, which was Yip Man Sifu, did not have Pun Sao Yet somehow Pun Sao managed to make its way into the Yip Man style, and there are some people who believe that that may uh, be because of some kind of Yun Ke San influence or whatever. So um, knowing that you have a lot more exposure to the non-Wing Chun styles that I do, do you have any any comment or opinion on, on the origins of Pun Sao in, in how it could end up in the Yip Man Wing Chun system when... Even within his, his man, Siegong didn't necessarily have the Punsao exercise in the same way we have it. Do, do you know anything about that?
2: Yeah, well, I I, I tend to think that uh, the Punsao maybe came around. Uh, what everybody regards today as Luxao, Chisao, and Punsao, it might have came around a little bit later in the history of Wing Chun. During Lung Jan's time, Lung Jian would have learned around 1841 in the 1840s. And during this time period, and his Wing Chun, they didn't seem to have this platform of Chi Sao. So it wasn't so different, the terms might have been the same, but mostly back then they would call them Yun Sao, Chi Sao, or the Pun Sao, the circling. So instead of just rolling to the three points, it circled all the way around the wrist. And so yeah, it's it's similar, but a little bit different flow to it. and. Uh, reason why some of the, uh, Foshan styles have it, what most people sometimes call the Yun effect. Uh, Yun, Yun san and, uh, Yun Chai-wan, and, uh, some of these other guys, they're all working out with other people. Yip Man, Yunkei-san, Yu Choi, they're all buddies. And so, you know, most of the people that kind of like were from that group tend to preserve the Luxao. Uh, whereas some of the older groups might not preserve the Luxao. Like I mentioned just now about Yun Chai Wan. If you look at the Vietnam Wing Chun, they seem to not have the Luxao, hmm. whereas Yun Khe San has Luxao. So somewhere maybe in that era might have been when this was uh, developed, and it's just it's, uh, it's as good as any Chi Sao there is. You know, all Chi Sao is almost the same. Yeah. Except, for, except for
0: JKD Chi Sao, that sucks.
2: allowed to say that we can't say (laughs) it. i didn't say that
1: that. (laughs) well i think it's also important for people to understand because you know there's i think always this uh kind of misguided idea that um whatever at least in the case of yip man wing chun that whatever yip man taught oh that was the same thing that had been taught for general generation to generation generation was like this unchanged museum piece for like seven generations or whatever. And I think people underestimate the amount of refinement and development and kind of edits and deletions and stuff that, that go over from generation to generation. And I think that if we could look at Wing Chun of any generation, we would probably be a lot more shocked in terms of how different it was from generation to generation, and these kind of ideas that you know somehow people are passing on the same exact traditional thing that had been always passed on. I think is kind of it's spurious claim at best when you when you just hear the history of, of, of Punjabi here. So
0: yeah, I mean that leads me. I had once once was told I'm just not, not going to say who who, was, who told me because I don't want we don't want that O'Connor Warren's opening. That um, that that may be one of the reasons that um, Yip Man didn't teach. The bai dao, as widely as he taught everything else, is because probably most of it he made up on his own, and didn't have the confidence in it.
1: Right. I mean, uh, well, that uh, well, I have said that before, so I'll, I'll go. I mean, I've definitely said that before. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it seems to make sense. There was no. There, there's no ba dao in the learn chan wing chun system. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. There's. If you go back to the early generation, you'll see that it wasn't. Uh, in the 1840s, well, if you look at the art, it was originally empty-hand boxing. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere in the 1840s, you know, they meet up with uh, another sect on the red boat, and there's a little exchange of information. So it goes from being empty-hand to empty-hand, maybe dummy and pole. And then maybe through their affiliation with uh, the Small Knife Society or triads and things like that. Later on in maybe the 1850s, in comes the, the, the knives. You know, Wing Chun's been evolving since it was founded, and uh, it's every teacher has put their hand on it.
0: Right, you know? right, and, but, and, as well, and I guess and as well they should. I mean, everybody kind of tweaks it a little bit at some point to match what they do, right? I mean, I think the only pure one is Moriart lineage, right? I mean, that's I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, <laughs>
2: I was just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I just love to say that every once in a while to annoy Alex. It's just. <laughs> but I, I
1: actually just think it's funny because whenever he says that, I know he's. When, whenever he starts going down that path,
0: I know he's going to say it at some point. So, this, it, it's become almost the. Uh, it's become a thing, yeah. But uh, the long Pole, I know there's been talk, again, I'm not a historian at all. Like, so in uh, Yip Man Wing Chun, as I've learned it, there's the six and a half point pole. And the, of course, there's a half a dozen stories as to why there's six and a half point pole as opposed to three and a half point pole. And what what, what is it like in your system? Is there. A, and do you know why we're. we're we, we refer to a six and a half point pole as opposed to a three and a half point pole, which
2: other lineages of Wing Chun do? Well, the three and a half. The three and a half point pole is the uh, developed by Lung Jan in the 1890s in Gulo, so that's the Pin Sun Wing Chun pole. It, oh, didn't okay. exi- it, didn't, it didn't exist before Lung Jan developed it. So you know when he when he it's six and a half point is the classical pole of the Wing Chun.
0: Okay, so but you do three and a half point. What, what's um, forgive me, I just don't know. Hmm. Well, what what's the difference? Is it a completely different pole set? Is it is it just shorter or more refined? Is it? You know, it, if I was only, gonna look only, at it's only half the price, that's what that's the It's difference. only half the price. <laughs> but it's twice as good. <laughs> I mean, you no, realize, you know, I'm I'm a JKD guy, right? So I have to take a three and a half point system and put it over a twenty-seven DVD volume set when I sell it. <laughs>
2: You know, it's not. It's really not. There's not too much difference. You know, they used to. There's an old quote from uh, Feng Sung passed down, and they used to say, uh, 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 Doctor Lung, what's the difference between uh, our Wing Chun and the Wing Chun outside our village? And he would say, Well, both come from the same source. Ours is taught in one hand set. theirs is taught in three. Our pole set is the three and a half point. Their pole set's a six and a half point. But we're all from the same source, and the hands don't differ very much, you know. And that's what Long Jan said about it during that time. You know, right. I think a lot a lot of people today would be surprised that the ancestors were much more practical than some of us uh, modern, like snobby traditionalists. You know, maybe think they were. Sure, it was uh, culturally certain th- things were passed on within family and taught certain ways but they were they were adapting to the times you know uh, they were they were not shy for evolving and teaching based on people's needs and whatever the times were calling for
0: and, and you see Wing Chun as a uh, forgive the term here it's just uh, a peasant art a village art as
2: opposed to a military art right no not really not really what do you see it as uh, I, I see Wing Chun as an evolution of two giants of Chinese martial art and healing art technology, and uh, then evolving into the, into the Wing Chun system. And so maybe going from, you know, if, you're, if you listen to a lot of the stories passed down uh, by the ancestors and by each lineage. There's a lot of continuity to these stories. And so, you know, granted some of it's symbolism, but a lot of it holds, holds a lot of water when you actually look into it. So if you say, okay, originally it was this long internal system that was, maybe took a little bit too long to learn because it was deeply internal, and then it, they turned it into the 3 fist sets and focused a little bit more on fighting and stuff like that. Well, there's a lot of truth to that, you know, and so I look at it as maybe going from an art that was a fusion of maybe Fujian and Erme, which kind of created this new natural state boxing for a southern fist, and then it evolves into what we call today as Wing Chun, you know, and so uh, it, it's a brilliant system, and it's uh, um, it's really it's it's a lifetime worth of study. I don't regard it as a uh, Something that's just some village, you know, village kung fu that, you know, just for a little quickie self-defense.
0: Oh, okay. All right. That, thank you. That's, that's interesting. I, um, again, don't know that much about the history. But one of the things I've always said I wanted to try and do one day when I had an hour that I, I wanted to kill. I, I would love to see if I can get the stamps for the name of each person in lineage going back as far as po- as far back as possible. So like I have my Sifu stamp. And then I would like to get my Sifu Sifu or my Sicong's Moyat stamp. And then Yip Man stamp and then see how far in a verifiable form the 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 stamp for each person in the lineage going back.
1: I think you can go back all the way to Yip Man. <laughs> <laughs> And then it would stop. <laughs> then you'd be like, hmm, well, did Leng Bik exist? Now, this is another interesting question, right? Because well, I was afraid to ask that. That's what. I- <laughs> no, ne- ne- never, ever, ever be afraid. We have, you know, everyone Everyone that I know would never be upset about. If I hang out with them, they'd never be upset about these kind of questions. So, obviously, a lot of people know the, the controversy about Leng Bik, right? That supposedly, Yip Man, when he was very young, he came to Hong Kong and he was um, partially tutored or mentored by one of Leung John's sons named Leung Bick, and at that time he was you know, taught them more advanced or more in-depth concepts of Wing Chun, which he wasn't able to learn from Chan Wah shun or from Eun Jung-so or whatever. So, um, supposedly, this Lereng Bik character, the son of Lang Chan, was the one who gave Yip Man the more right. refined Wing Chun that, that later, you know, he became famous for. Of course, it's a bit controversial because there are people that say that, say that Lereng Bik didn't exist and and that this was just a story to cover up the fact that he was learning from Chujong Man or whatever. So, now... Uh, Jim is a uh, you know an expert in in one of the John systems. So, what is your take on the Lengbik story? And
2: be as controversial as possible, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know the l- 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 although yeah, I'm I'm not a Yip Man practitioner, so you get. I'm just gonna relay what I've you know bumped into or, or heard a little bit about you know, but. Uh, different stories from Gulo talk about Lung Bik um, you know in different manners and if you actually uh, this new character or someone who's coming to come out recently named Lung Man Lok Lung Man Lok is claiming to be the great grandson of uh, Lung Jan and Lung Bik's grandson and things like that they provide a genealogy that says in the you know early 1900s uh, Yip Man learned from Lung Bik but it's uh, a lot of people talk about Yip Man learning at uh, St. Stephen's College, and the one controversial part about that is that St. Stephen's College was an English speaking school, and Master Yip didn't speak English. Mm. So, you know, whether. Whether he trained with him, whether he didn't train with him, you know, it, it's, it's still one of those things. On Some people will believe it, some people won't believe it. But you know, some say that it was maybe propaganda to help boost seniority or hide that he trained with somebody else. I don't know. You know I, I, I can't be 100% sure. But it's clear that you know, uh, Yip Man obviously developed a high level of skill, and uh, you know, his art flourished. You know, So, if he trained with Lung Bik or someone else, obviously his contribution to Wing Chun is, is phenomenal.
0: That's, uh, that's amazing. I know I had heard uh, there was um, a, a, a book, a uh, more than one book, that referred to Lung Bik as one of uh, Yip Man's sifus. And I know that I was told that that uh, particularly annoyed Moya that um, Moyat would say that if he did learn from Lungbek, if that story is true, he would be more of a Seeing and should not ever be listed as um, Yip Man Sifu.
1: Right, because, I mean, in traditional martial arts, you only have one Sifu anyway for the most part. So, you know, well, although that's the tradition, although that never seems to really hold or stick, even in the <laughs> old days. <laughs> <laughs> They, they just use it to to uh, uh, if you ever go somewhere else then they you know they say, oh how dare you you're an apostate you have left your seafood they, they, they seem to use it more for control than tradition sometimes and and
0: but you can um, come back for only 99 95 right That's right. I will teach you all the secrets
1: for one week at hashtag Kung Fu Genius. <laughs> so <Yeah>.
0: you <laughs> bought you bought that certificate after a week, huh?
1: Uh, no, you have to pay for it in advance. You don't get it after. You have to pay for it in advance. You do all the training, and then you have the final test where you have to jump over the building at the end. And when you do that, you get the uh, the certificates and the nine years worth of photos that you learn from somebody. And that's uh, awesome. That's, yeah, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's,
0: that's awesome. How it works? <laughs> See, in JKD, you could do that shit in a weekend. That's what's so refined about JKD. You yeah, can buy not, you can buy a certificate after forty eight hours. I mean, that's just you know. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. We need at least a whole week to become a qualified Wing Chun.
1: for Wii. Ah, you, you have all Wii, the you?
0: forms, so that's you know that's what does it. Yeah, and you, you know, yeah it takes all that time just to whittle down a long pole from a telephone pole. Sure, so.
1: sure, sure. <laughs>
0: oh, there's another uh,
1: there's another thing too. So now, since the Yip Man movie came out, and and obviously uh, the popularity of Yip Man and Wing Chun has 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 risen quite a bit, including in mainland China. Since this time there came out a photo that was supposedly of Leung-chan and then there was another photo that was supposedly Leung-big right um oddly enough um Mai Sigong Leung Ting seems to believe that photo is true and he's normally extremely skeptical like if you show him anything he's like that is bullshit you know everything is (laughs) right so but but I, I, I saw that in the latest edition of his Roots of Wing Chun book he actually put that 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 photo of Lung John where he's like dressed in, it looks like he's like almost like in, in some kind of royal garb or whatever. Okay. And I was wondering, I don't know if, if, if anybody doesn't know the photo I'm talking about, you can go to Google and like Google Lung John photo or Lung John picture, and you will see some, you know, some photo of a guy who's like in very ornate Chinese clothing. And if, if I were to think of what Lung John would look like, I would think he would just be more the kind of traditional in like the Qing Dynasty queue, wearing like some, you know, like kind of Wong Fei Hong, like, like kind of how Jet Li dressed in, in Once Upon a Time in China. That's how I would imagine that Leung Chan would look like. But this guy was like totally decked out in the robes or whatever. Now, do you know anything about whether this could be a real photo or not?
2: Yeah, I, you know, you have to, that's a big caveat emptor with that one. You know, the Ching official, the robe that the guy's wearing in that photo. Yeah, you see that photo Yes, like that? that's okay. the
1: Do you have that, oh, oh, I thought that
0: was a frame that was just on your tablet, right? Yeah, I, keep, like, a photo, I keep it fucking framed in my kitchen, right? Yeah, that's, I, was, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, I like Wing Chun and all, but I'd have to move your picture first to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, uh, that's not the
1: first time to, One of my students apparently told me He has my photo in his bedroom And I was just like, alright man, that's just
2: straight up creepy But
1: anyway, didn't, didn't want to take you off The whole Lung John thing, go ahead go ahead.
2: So, you, you know, that photo has become Like mainstream and really popular But not many people kind of know the actual History of that And uh, I think it was In the early 2000s The Foshan Museum was going to tear down Lung Jan's old house on uh, Hinsen Fong in Foshan. And so the Long family, or a member of the Long family named uh, Miss Leung Yatno, she told the museum, well, look, let's go to the house and let's see if there's anything of any value there before you tear it down. So uh, a couple of people, plus a bunch of staff from the museum, they make their way over to Lung Jan's old house. They go through the house, and the only thing they find in there is a dust uh, broom a couple of medicine bottles that were empty, and a few uh, photographs that were eaten by termites. So now picture this. A bunch of people go to a house that's been empty probably for, you know, 75, 100 years, and that's all they find together. Now, one person, this uh, one gentleman says, the guy who claims to find this photo, he decides to go back on his own to see if they miss any. So he going and he finds a hole that's of a, a guy in this Qing official uniform, and he says, I found it. This is the Lung Jan photo. Granted, this photo, you know, wasn't in the house when the whole team of people went there. It doesn't say Lung Jan on the photo. And Lung Jan was not a Qing official, okay? So... <laughs> A couple of people that try to debate that it's legit, they say, well, if you go to Long Jian's house in Gulo, there's a few chops on the wall that show that somebody passed the civil service exam. And they say, well, look, he could have passed the civil service exam, and this is why he's wearing that high official robe. But that house was set up by the Gulo government in 1990, and it was just bare empty when they set it up. So everything in that house, nothing belongs to... The, was from Lung Jan. And I didn't even find that out till a little bit later. I actually thought the wooden dummy was Lung Jan's, and none of it is. It's all just stuff that they put there later from the, the government as a tourist attraction. Right. So that photo of the Qing official, you know, I, I personally don't believe it. Uh, but if you... It, it, there's a photo that's out. There's two more photos. So this, this subject we're talking about, I actually did an article this month, uh, this next uh, Wing Chun Illustrated, and I put the three photos and tell a little bit about the history of them. But there's another photo that's passed down from the Chan Shun family in a small museum in uh, Shunde, uh, Foshan, and a photo that's passed down by a gentleman named Lung Man Lok. And uh, I originally thought the Lung Man Lock photo was uh, a scam like the other photo, but Something in my gut tells me that deserves a little bit more research, and someone should try to interview him and uh, get a little bit closer to him. Because it's quite possible it may be real, but because it's attached to like a controversial lineage, uh, maybe I'm like uh, not giving it the water it should be. Yeah, so I hope somebody actually gets there. They declined. I, I, I contacted them, and he declined an interview with me. And because uh, the this Lung man, Locke, and his father, although they claim to be the Lung family, Neither of them practice Wing Chun, and neither of them want anything. They didn't want anything to do with Wing Chun, you know. So Wing <laughs> Chun people. Well, <laughs> so, did, did you did, did
0: you tell them you're gonna be on duty To Kung Fu? Cause that shit'll open doors for you, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I should have. Maybe maybe I'll send, a I'll send a letter. Feel free to drop Alex's name because he is hashtag. Kung-fu genius. Kung-fu genius, yes.
1: <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Wow, That that that's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, it would I, I, it would be really great if, if somebody went in there with the teeth to actually go in and find out whether these things were, were true or not because a lot of people have questions about that stuff and, and I think that um, there's definitely some things that, that I think we'll never find out, but I, I think there are still some things that we could still, that, that are still researchable even at this time before it's too late. If, if there was one thing... Let's say if you could go to China now f- with, with um, full, fully financially back to do whatever the hell you want to do in China, research wherever, whatever you want, what, what would you go now and, and, and look to do? Like what would be – what's the main thing you would like you'd want to be able to research right now given what's out there?
2: Yeah, well, I'd probably try to locate some of the Long family, but I'd also like to spend a little bit more time with the uh, the head of the Gulo family. His name is uh, Fong Dat. Fong Dat was the son, the eldest son of Fong Min. Fong Yi Min was the first disciple of Long Jan's sister's son, Wang Sam. So, if I could spend some time with him and the research, you know from the you know let's say 19 uh, 1901 to now that would be fascinating but i'd also like to spend some time going through southern china and trying to find the lung family because the lung family was quite prominent and they but they're all but vanished you know mm. and so there's traces of them in vietnam and there's some traces of them in thing but in uh, southern china but According to the Gulow government, a lot of them had relocated, some went to Europe, some went to other places, Australia, and different things like that. So the family kind of you know went its own direction. and uh, but I really would like to get in touch with some of them, but even then it would be uh, you know unless there was continuity to like the tradition, there's you know sometimes there's a lot of doors you knock on that you know you don't get much out of. but I would like to spend some time trying to locate the actual family. It's got to be a really
0: daunting task to look into uh, Wing Chun history. I mean, just, for, I guess, for several reasons, you know, the language, the, the, you know, language differences. I look at, you know, Jeet Kune Do. We, we can't, keep tra- can't keep track of, you know, what the hell happened in 1975, you know? like <laughs> It's like, you can't find three guys to agree what happened when Bruce Lee opened up a school in 1968. Who did what, you know? I can only imagine trying to, research something you know 100 years old 150 years old it's got it's got to be incredibly tough and time consuming
2: it's a big headache you know especially because a lot of people that just want to train martial art they don't care about that so if you know a lot of a lot of the stuff that gets passed down is word of mouth um you know and some you know oral tradition is the norm right. uh, but you know it, it, I've been kind of blessed that, like, because I write for Wing Chun Illustrated, I'm able to, I have a column in Wing Chun Illustrated that I, a lot of my friends from different lineages uh, share information and things like that. So, you know, when, you, when you, you come across a whole bunch of different lineages and things like that, you start to see the more likely that's within all of them, and you start to see that, you know, there's a core to the Wing Chun, and uh, but a lot of the unusual stuff that sometimes gets passed off as uh, you know a secret set or something you know that was around 200 years ago and you know it sells for a high price today or something you know a lot of that stuff is just modern modern system stuff or comes specific to those lineages that made it up over the years and things like that you know the core of the Wing Chun really is not so different between lineages Uh, it
0: seems seems like you know that didn't that didn't even that didn't end back 150 years ago right there's I'm not gonna say who but I mean it seems like there's people back in 1970s that made shit up about Wing Chun right I mean that's just it seems like to be pretty common these
2: days yeah it's common uh, with almost any heart
0: right yeah no this is true this Uh, is true it's uh this is very true
1: yeah so, uh, in, anyway, now now that we have, like, kind of the basic history of the Lering John style, I want Jim to just maybe talk about one more thing. He briefly touched upon it before, which is about not just, like, the, the Lering John style, which he does, but the origin of Wing Chun altogether, because he had mentioned about the long form uh, Siu Lin Tao set, which was later then, you know, broken down into the three hand forms that we know. Um, There's obviously been, you know, all the uh, legends about the the tiger and the crane and the nun and all this kind of stuff or whatever. So uh, based on what what you've studied about the the Siu Lin Tao form and and the white crane and the the erme and that kind of stuff. So um, of course it's difficult because we don't know everything, But what is that kind of more commonly accepted or understood kind of newer theory about the history of how Wing Chun was developed um, before it was called Wing Chun? Like, can you talk about the Siu Lin Tao form a little bit and, and what that is and how that came to be and so on and so forth?
0: Yeah, and, sure. and, do, um, before you, and before you go on, if you can, in your talk, is there, do you believe to, to be any real connection to uh, Shaolin?
2: Uh, no, not really.
0: All right.
1: Well, that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Shit, let me cancel that trip I was going to take.
1: (laughs) And certainly has no connection to that place called the Shaolin Temple nowadays, which I famously said on Twitter. It's one of my most retweeted tweets. The Shaolin Temple in China is faker than Four Stripe Adidas. And that (laughs) that went over really well. uh, You know, obviously. If we're talking about southern Kung Fu, we're talking about a supposed southern Shaolin temple anyway, which uh, is highly suspicious anyway in terms of its origins or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah. if you'd go ahead and kind of uh, talk a little bit about what, what, what those revelations are about the history.
2: Yeah, so, you know, if you uh, if you look at the history from the Yun family and you look at the history from the Cho family, they all talk about a guy named Miao Shun who fused his own knowledge with uh, New Moi's white crane. And uh, to create some kind of new hybrid, uh, and this art was passed down to a rebel named uh, Yim Yi, uh, and who obviously was the legendary dad of uh, Yim Wing Chun, and uh, the Cho family art is a fascinating art because it's the one long form. It's a one long siu towel that has four sections, hmm. and. This form has this cune kit or poetry that uh, guides the set, and if you see the poetry or you were to go through it, it's uh, it's deeply internal. It's mm. it's very very specific and and deeply wow. internal. Um, Can you explain for a moment because the form is
1: called Siu Lin which is actually the Lin means to practice. practice, whereas in the Ip Man style we use the we use the term Nim or Lim which means idea so the name is similar but it's different so when he talks about a Tao long form set he's not necessarily talking about what we think in terms of the the gitman sunam it it's actually a form you said has four sections the first part you're kind of standing like you do in the yeah. traditional student town. but then you have other parts of the form where you're turning and shifting and moving closer to what we're doing in Chum Q. So we're talking about one really long set that almost encompasses what we have in our three forms to a certain degree. So just for people who might not know.
2: Yeah, so if you were to look at the the long form, you'd see that the first part of it is very similar to all Tao forms. It's it's very similar to it. And then if you looked at part two, although technically arranged a little differently, it uses a sort of torquing similar to Chum-Q. And if you were to look at the third section of it, or part three of it, you're talking about a different sort of torque that was more similar to Buji. And the fourth section has like footwork and things like that. So it's like one long form, uh, called Su Tao, and it's at least as long as uh, the three fist sets combined.
1: Well, wow. yeah. so originally th- this was essentially the first. Yeah, the first generation was created this. The the style was not called Wing Chun at the time that this form was around, right? Basically, you just had your Steel lintel form, and that was
2: the Kung Fu, right? It didn't even have a name, right? That was it. It was uh, one long form, and there's legends that Miao Sun on his deathbed told Yim Yi that the Kung Fu I taught you wasn't crane, it was my own creation. And so this art later evolved and became Wing Chun. And uh, but it's essentially the art of Tao. It wasn't uh, there was no name to it back then. It was just one long form. Yeah. And and then the the story about how this long,
1: relatively internal Seulintal set then got divided into Seulintal Buji. This would have happened what like in the 1850s. Like what what's the kind of I mean, whether it's true or not, or what's, what's the kind of accepted story about how that form got changed into kind of more
2: what we do nowadays? Okay, yeah, so, you know, there was a, uh, somewhere, somewhere in the mid mid to late 1830s, uh, Leung Bak Lao taught uh, his godson named uh, Leung Long Gwai. And Leung Long Gwai was regarded as like a little bit of a rebel figure, and he was affiliated with the Cantonese opera and things like that. And so Leong Long Guai teaches a gentleman named Wang Wabo. And so this was somewhere around 1839, 1840, maybe. Wang Wabo, uh, more likely, he reorganizes the one long form into the three fist sets. Uh, for what reason, you know, you'd have to ask exactly <laughs> what, <laughs> but uh, you know the. Why'd the common- you do that? <laughs> <laughs> the com- the common theory is is that uh, the focus went from uh, internal cultivation to uh, fighting oriented art, something that might have been a little bit more geared towards fist fighting, and uh, so you know they like I said earlier, they, they were practical the ancestors are practical, you know and um, they weren't against altering or modifying or cross training if you look at Wang Wa Bo, Wang Wa Bo was the student of Liung Long guai and he had learned the Wing Chun from him or that long form from him but uh, Wang Wa Bo's training partner was Long Yi Tai and Long Yi Tai was from the Jishin sect and so there was an interaction with uh, Kung Fu, they shared knowledge with each other and and uh, it was probably a good time period for uh, and for them to develop something. And that's uh,
1: supposedly with the, the Ji Sim influence is supposedly where the pole and the dummy came into yeah, Wing Chun, yeah, right?
2: Yeah, Ji Sim art is known for Lok Dinh Bung Guan and the Chong. And uh, but it, it's uh the Lok Dinh Bung Guan is significantly longer. You know, so you the, can, the form or the pole itself. The 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 form. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you you can tell that Wing Chun people, although they adopted and trained with other arts, they were still Wing Chun purists at heart. In other words, they weren't looking for. Uh, they didn't need like you know a hundred move set. You know the you know small set is covers all the possible angles and strokes, and uh, hit the body the way it needed to do it.
0: Wow, this is really this is like. This is going to church for me because I didn't... I, I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't know any of this. I can sit here and just listen to you talk like this all day. This is awesome. Yeah, now you have a kind of a glimpse into my world. It's like when I met Jim, I was like, well, this is really cool.
1: We need to hang out more often because... Yeah, this really. Is like, this is, and also what's interesting is that um, uh, there are very few people... Um, first of all, that have Jim's level of knowledge and depth of knowledge. And, of course, the great thing about Jim is, like, anybody who really knows what they're talking about also will tell you the limits of their knowledge. Like, you notice throughout this conversation if there's something Jim doesn't know, you always need to be somewhat skeptical of the people who are like, oh, no, let me tell you how it was. And, like, you're very sure that everything they're telling you is the gospel truth or whatever. But Whether you have people who are somewhat full of BS or people who really know what they're talking about, there's really only a limited number of people, certainly in North America, but even in the whole world, who know anything about anything even outside their own lineage, you know, like to be able to discuss uh, with the best data that we have what might have happened. So, I mean, this stuff's totally, totally fascinating to me, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure that Jim's contribution was in my book, because I didn't want it to just be another yip man wing chun f- book without letting that audience see something that they would otherwise not be exposed to so
2: yeah it's really great
0: so jim do you have any books or videos or
2: no well you know i don't i don't have any books i uh, but i write for you know wing chun illustrated and uh, i post... which is a phenomenal magazine i really yeah it, it's
0: fantastic yeah know. issue 18 the cover was amazing I didn't get that one. I don't know what issue that was. <laughs> you know, because it's funny. Mine goes from 17 to 19. I didn't get
1: it. <laughs> yeah, maybe you weren't cool. Maybe they didn't sell to you because you weren't cool enough. I don't know. But uh, you know, well, the funny thing about my cover is. Gee, that
0: Alex, that
1: sounded real tough. <laughs> the, the funny thing about my cover is I'm so pasty white. And anyone who meets me, they see like how damn pasty white I am. We shot that thing in Brooklyn and it was like a cloudy day. And I always make a joke that I'm like literally the same color as, like, the white sky behind me or whatever. I'm like, you know, if you didn't see the outline of my glasses, you wouldn't even know where I was on the cover. They'd be like a a watch flying in the middle of the air or something like that. Um, Yeah, it's really really crazy. But uh, Wing Chun Illustrate is also pretty much how I got exposed to Jim... A little bit closer. I think I'd read some articles with you, like, in the old days. Those old Wing Chun websites and forums and stuff like that. I'd seen your name a few times, but I think it wasn't, if if not for Wing Chun Illustrated, I don't think I would have had the chance to really get to meet Jim. Same thing with David Peterson as well. I think Wing Chun Illustrated has been a really great um, kind of, you know, force for the Wing Chun world to kind of get everybody to come together a little bit. Oh, absolutely. It's been really great.
0: I absolutely enjoy it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you see? Uh, not to put you on the spot. Did you see the Wong Chun Lung documentary yet? Not yet. Oh, not, not yet. yet. But no. of course, you're gonna see it like next week, and then tell everybody how awesome it is. Right? I will.
0: I right, will. Of course.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to get the second one. I I saw the first one. I have not watched the second one yet. There's uh, there's two of them, right? There's uh, King of Talking Hands, and then there's a uh, Wing Chun Journey or something like that. And I, yeah, I, 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 I think seen... I
1: need to spend a weekend to to. Uh, to binge watch some stuff on Netflix and watch those two Wong and Lung documentaries. It's like, it's difficult to, to budget time to watch stuff nowadays. It's like, there's so much great stuff to watch. And, and, uh, but we've been waiting for this documentary for a really long time. I think it's, it's really, really super cool that it finally came out.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, John Little always does a phenomenal job. David Peterson always does a phenomenal job. So, uh, it's, it's definitely worth it. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the stuff. Awesome. Well, I had a
1: really good time today. Sean, do you have anything else to ask Jim while he's here? Put you on the uh, spot.
0: Jim, would you like to do a podcast, dude? Me and you called Dudes of Kung Fu. <laughs> I got this dead weight in Manhattan, I can get rid of it. Hey, no problem,
1: no problem.
0: <laughs> no, I can't do that. You know what, I can't you do know that, Jim. What? Alex paid for this freaking thing, so yeah, okay, exactly. <laughs>
1: Jim can take my full salary for doing this podcast, no <laughs> problem. I'll let him have it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. That's>
0: good <laughs> meeting you. <laughs>
1: yeah, Jim, it was really great to have you. Uh, thanks so much for you know uh, spending the time to talk about the history of Wing Chun and the art that you do. And I hope the readers like that or our listeners like this is a little bit different than what we normally do. Um, and and you know to really go into the history, I think was kind of cool. It's definitely different for our podcast.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate appreciate you coming on, Jim. It was really nice to get to know you and, a little bit. I think
1: outside of the Burton Richardson episode, I think this is the one episode where Sean almost didn't curse the entire time. This is
0: true. That's amazing. Wow. Holy shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Another milestone. Another milestone. Awesome. This was great. Very cool. So everyone out there, don't forget to follow us on the Dudes of Kung Fu uh, Facebook page. Uh, Go ahead and follow us there. Send us messages anything you want to hear us talk about. Uh, If you're interested in having uh, any guests or any requests or anything you want to know about the show or anything you want us to talk about, uh, go ahead and and send us a message to the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast. Again, uh, don't forget to write reviews on iTunes for the podcast. That's a great way for us to get our listeners up because when people see that there are reviews there, it really, really does help. We're also on Twitter for Dudes of Kung Fu. I'm on Twitter uh, at City Wing Chun. Big, Big Sean M is on Twitter, so follow us all on Twitter. Don't forget, hashtag Kung fu genius. <laughs> and don't forget to share the podcast and let all your friends know about it. Have a great have a great week everybody. We'll catch you soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye.